Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey Griefsters, hope you're having an okay week. Um, It's been a bit mad as normal, but today I saw a daffodil for the first time and I almost cried, not just because I'm half Welsh, but because I genuinely was like, spring is coming, it's coming. Um, If you live in England at the moment, it has been, it's been very, very cold. Uh, And last week, if you listened to the introduction you hear, I I genuinely had a cold, I caught a chill, I genuinely caught a chill because it was so cold. I'm much better, thank you for your kind words. Um, Thank you as ever for your amazing comments on the series if you are enjoying it. Every podcast I should do is but it genuinely really does make a difference so if you did like a particular episode or enjoying the series please do rate, review and subscribe. It just helps other people find the show because it means Apple go, oh people like this one. So if you've done that already thank you very much. This week I am talking to actress Jill Halfpenny. You all know Jill of course you know Jill, she's been in so many things. Yes, of course she's been in Strictly. And obviously, yes, I immediately started talking about that because if you listen to the show regularly, you know that my other podcast would be a Strictly podcast. And maybe I'll do it one day. Um, but she's a fantastic actress. She's currently starring in The Drowning, which is on My Five. Um, she's been in a myriad of amazing dramas, Dark Money, Liar, as well as Extenders and Carnation Street. And she, yeah, she's just a brilliant, brilliant, amazing performer. And it was a total joy to speak to her she is such a interesting and grounded and and honest emotionally open person so I was really really grateful that she gave me her time Jill came in to talk to me about two griefs she's experienced her father who died when she was a very small child and her partner Matt who died four years ago yeah I'm very excited I was going to try and be cool about it I was doing the washing up early and I thought don't mention it Carrie has but um (laughs) 
I'm such a massive Strictly fan that like Are as soon you? as you're not, I was like, oh my God, Jill. And I can literally still remember your routine with Darren. And I thought, God, that's so embarrassing, isn't it? But um, Oh, listen, I, I, I love it when people are uncool. Oh. I'm so uncool. <laughs> I love that. And you were only second season. I didn't realise that. In my head, you were right like in the further midst of on. It yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, and even the one previous to that had been like a short pilot season. So we were like the first full length season. season. Wow. It, it's really strange. I mean, you get this all the time, don't you, as you get older, but it seems like a minute ago and also like yeah. years ago. Like, it, it just, it, there's just two things happening at the same time where I go, Really? Like, I was 29 when I did that? Oh, my God. Anyway, you were brilliant. Not, Thank you. I mean, I, I don't know if people do go back and watch old series of Strictly. <laughs> I don't know if you can, but you yeah, can YouTube the dancers. Can, you? Yeah, maybe you could YouTube you were, you were You were excellent. Oh, thank as, you. As a, as a long-term fan of the show, I am... Um, yeah, I worked I'm very impressed you know my dancer's name, so you must be a fan. Oh, yeah. No, I am that late. Like, I've watched every single episode. Like, it's... But, you know, again, you don't realise you've watched every episode. It's just... I just watch it every year it's on yeah and then someone was asking me I was being very detailed about dancers and they were like god have you watched every episode like, yes actually I, I think I've missed about two <laughs> I was like oh my god would but you I do guess... it oh chill don't <laughs> it's literally why I do anything it's oh my I do god anything. I, th- I think, I think I they might it. ask you oh uh, I don't think I'm you've just got to keep stage. putting it out there yeah, I put it out there. I mean I, I, I do put it out there quite a lot <laughs> Talk about yeah it. but what about Strictly yeah, what about Strictly Guys? But yeah, I don't think... I'm not in that category yet. But I've known... Obviously, they've started doing more comedians. And so I've known people who've done it. And yeah. that's been very exciting. To get the gossip. Yeah, and to even know, like, yeah. But I quite like being a fan. You know, it's quite nice to be a fan. Because mm-hmm. as an actor, things get ruined all the time, don't you? When you all meet people. All the time. And you can never change. really watch something no, you've you been in. You. If it's a long-running show, that it's over. It's absolutely yeah, it's over. over once you've so been I, in it. You're like, I, I know that person. I know what they eat yeah. for lunch. Yeah, I know how they know how they speak to people. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Anyway, Jill, I've been accused of this before. It's not strictly cast, so maybe I should just do that. So, um, Jill, who are we remembering today? We are remembering my partner Matt, and we're also going to remember my dad, Colin. Colin, Um, yes, he was Colin Halfpenny. He was Colin Halfpenny. Yes, I love that surname. It's It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was sort of obviously embarrassed about it because it was the thing that everybody took the piss out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then when I grew up, I was like, oh my God, Jill is such a bland name. Thank fuck I've got Halfpenny after it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your Halfpenny. It's so... Hey, oh, I love it. It's so Victorian. Um, so, so what one would you like to start with? I don't mind. I we think can go start with Dad. And yeah. then that will make more sense because I think that they are very much linked in the way yeah, when course. we talk about grieving and things like that um yeah so yeah I was four I was four when oh, my dad died my goodness yeah four. that is a very young age to lose a father what happened what did he die of he went out to play football and he had a heart attack on the pitch and that was it sudden, oh my sudden death. god yeah just Bloody didn't come hell. home Yes. Do you have siblings? Yes, I have two older sisters. Yeah, there's like three years difference between us, each of us. So Um, you're the youngest? I'm the youngest, yeah. How was that from a perspective? Did you have, having spoken to other people with siblings, did you sort of, how much understanding did you have of what was going on? Because sometimes when you have older siblings, they kind of guide you a bit, don't they? You're sort of like, oh, they look sad. Okay, what's going on? Yeah, it's it's strange. And I have heard a lot of people on on your podcast talk about this but I think when you're that young 
is very, very, I have, I have one memory, like real memory of my dad. But in terms of remembering his death, I don't have any. I, wow. remember, I remember being, I remember playing outside. I don't know what brought me in the house. It must have been a summer's day because the, the door was open. And I remember going into the sitting room and I could hear like a, a sort of what I thought was like a maniacal like laugh, you know, like those clowns that you see at the yeah. fair. And I thought, oh, why, why is my mum laughing like that? And I sort of peered around the corner and she was like grabbing my uncle. Sorry. No, it's and she right. was she was obviously like guttural, crying. Mm. And he just sort of looked at me and just sort of shooed me away. And I don't really remember. I don't really remember anything after that. I remember, I think I have a vague memory of like, being in the sitting room after the funeral, we weren't allowed to go to the funeral. Um, I remember like sitting on my nana's knee. Everyone was in black. She stunk of smoke as she always did. <laughs> that was just her smell. Um, and it's really difficult because my family and I, I really need to say this: like they thought they were doing the best thing. They really yeah. did, but yeah. we didn't. We didn't. We didn't grieve we didn't yeah. celebrate birthdays we didn't we didn't sort of mark his anniversary he, he has a grave and some we went there to put flowers down but kind of that was it I mean I mean it's 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 funny really but the only memory I have of like real collective grief mm. is that every so often you know Champ the movie Champ. <laughs> it's about a, a boy and his dad's oh, yeah, a boxer yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and his dad dies at the end and there's this oh, God, very champ. famous scene where he's going champ champ don't leave me champ and every every couple of years that would be on the telly and we'd all watch it and we'd all be like on our knees crying at the weeping, end yeah, 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 weeping. Yeah. and it would be like this is it this is what we need mm. to do like as a family this is what we have to come together and do this but we never did and mm. it was so so what I'm trying to say is, look, as far as I'm concerned, when people say, oh, yeah, like my parent died when I was young. And to be honest, it didn't really affect me. That sort of sends my mind into a spin because it's like, of course it did. Like, mm. it's one of the biggest traumas you could possibly like experience as a child. But what you might have done is what I, which is what I did. You just push it so far down. Mm. It just goes all the way down. And then it starts to manifest itself in different behaviors like. I was an anxious kid. I was a fearful kid. I, you know, couldn't stand it if my mum said, I'll pick you up um, after school. Because I was like, she won't turn up, she won't turn up, she won't turn yeah. up, you know. I used to love it when I was, like, on school dinners because it meant that I didn't have another pickup to worry about. Oh, wow. just, just things like that, you know, they would dart around in my head. and mm. Of course, especially if you have a very sudden death. I think that's so common when you said someone just goes out and doesn't come home like as a child you make up the logic and you're like oh well, I see so it's not safe to leave the house because people just drop dead yeah because that's the evidence you've got <laughs> yeah know, as a child you don't have loads of examples of things so something as clear as that is like and I felt very much like that because he was diagnosed in the February dead by the April so I was like oh right I see moment anyone is ill boom that's it they'll die and I still if anyone tells me that someone's ill I'm like oh they're gonna die <laughs> And yeah. I have to think, Carrie, not everybody has pancreatic cancer. Like, some people will be fine. Yeah. And I'm sort of surprised if anybody's... I'm like, are they? What, they they're all right. Oh, oh I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, <laughs> like, t totally. And, and the thing is, I think that 
weirdly, I think maybe I, I pushed it down so much that I sort of went the opposite way, like, no, like, you know, like, things are, I just, I just had the disease of busyness as a kid. Yeah, I always yeah. wanted to be busy. If I didn't have something after school, why not? Was I doing something on a Saturday? And how long was it going to last? And could I sleep yeah. at someone's house? And Sundays were the worst day ever for me. I thought yeah. they were boring and dreadful. And I just hated school. And it was just, if I was busy, 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 then my mind was not on it. Even though there was no conscious thought of, well, what, yeah. what is that thing on my mind? Like, I remember, I used, to do, I used to do this thing as a kid. I used to go upstairs. And um, have you heard of Richard Clayderman? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I had this, but I had a Richard Clayderman cassette, right? So it was all instrumental music. And wow. that, that, that was like as near as I got to a piece of classical music when I was a kid. <laughs> and I would like put it on in the bedroom and I would like dance around the bedroom like, you know, some sort of Diane Swan. And I thought I was just sort of very expressive and artistic. And I said, I was grieving. I used to cry. Mm. I used to throw myself around the room and I used to weep in a very sort of dramatic way. I'd throw myself on the beanbag yeah, and jump yeah. on the bed. And, and I would just play the whole tape <laughs> till it got to the end. And then I'd sort of get up and go, well, right, okay. And then go back downstairs. Isn't that bizarre that, that I think, like you said, like it just comes, it doesn't matter if, if there's not a place for it, it will come out. It will so come even out. as a child, you were mm-hmm. able to be like, I need to move and I need to cry and mm-hmm. I don't know why. And it's so, because I think so many people kind of write children off slightly of like, oh, well, they don't understand, so therefore they won't grieve. And it's like, just because you don't understand doesn't mean your body won't try and do things. Oh my God, like the body is everything. The body keeps the score. I mean, that's yeah. the title of the book. It's like, it's there. Your pain is there. Your loss is there. And, you know, it can come out in so many, I mean, it can come out, well, you know, some kids would just be depressed, but mm. mine came out in a sort of need to, like you say, move, be busy, be, yeah, feel connected, yeah, yeah, and not think, not have to think. And when people used to question me about my dad and, you know, where was he? And, and then I'd say, oh, he died. I also had that terrible shame that some kids have, which is like, I'm, I'm a psychopath. I'm a psychopath because when people ask me about my dad, I don't burst into tears. Mm. Like there's something wrong with me. But it was just, there was, there was nothing, there was no space that was held for us to grieve. This mm. was the 1970s in the Northeast. You know, yeah, like yeah. it wasn't in my mom's vocabulary to say, oh, there's this thing called therapy. Let's all go as a family and talk about yeah. losing off. It just, it, that, you know, that just wasn't how our lives panned out but it has had enormous consequences for me in terms of how some of the barriers and some of the the hurdles that I've had to sort of jump over in did you um, speak about it with your siblings when you were young was there ever a moment that you would kind of secretly talk about it or was it or was it just like don't talk about it so what was a bit unusual is that so my mum remarried my uncle so she married my dad's brother Right, okay. Two years after my dad died. Wow. So I don't know if that sort of made it even harder to talk about them because I don't I don't know if I can even express that because I I don't want to hurt anyone or Yeah, yeah. yeah. it, it, it was you know, we the the way it was presented to us was 
isn't this fantastic? This mm. this this man is going to come in and and he he loves us all, which he does, and 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 look after us and and and, and be a family. We're going to be a family again, but. I think for all of us, you know, my my stepdad lost his brother. Mm. You know, that's harsh, yeah. and we lost God. that dad, and it's it's sad so, really because we had such a an amazing opportunity to really share mm. all those stories. Like my dad could have, my stepdad could have told me so many stories about my dad, but it was almost it was like everyone did that thing. Don't let's not don't talk say. about. Don't not mention yeah. it. It's so hard. And I think that you said the time, you know, like we were talking about time earlier and how it's sort of literally next to you and years and years away. And I think at that time, you know, you said people just that that was the belief. The best thing to do is not talk about it. Don't upset people. And everyone was going on everything so visually. So it's like, well, if a child is not crying, everything's okay. So that's how we know, look, the child is there and the child is dancing and smiling. Therefore, the child is fine. Hooray. And she's got, like you said, she's got a new dad and that's brilliant. And, you know, he knows them and loves them. That's brilliant. But it's, I think with kids, like you said, you get this weird logic. And so when someone's not talked about, it's like you get in that, did they exist? Is it real? Like, what's real? Like, everything's certain. The adults forget, you know, they're dealing with such big emotions and they are having so many other conversations and because as a child you're not party to any of those conversations you just fill in the gaps and you just make everything equal something else and I think um you know Dame Julia who you talk about on the show um you know she talks about how children grieve in puddles yeah you jump into a little shallow puddle and you are upset for a bit but they they don't want to and they can't hold that amount of sadness for that long. It's yeah. not really... And also, it's harder for them to conceptualise what they've lost. You mm. know, like, a few years ago, I was on a, um, a holiday with, like, loads of friends and one of the little girls there, she, she was four, and I was watching her play with her dad on the beach. Yeah. And she absolutely knew who that person was. Mm. She... That was her dad. She mm. knew his being. She knew his smell. She knew the way he spoke. She, and I was like, you can't underestimate even a child who is one. Mm. They know who their parents are. Like this is, it, I, I, like you said, I think that children, it, it's, what are they, it's always, they're resilient. They're resilient. Mm. Well, oh yeah. Resilient? Well, they're surviving. Is yeah. that what you mean? Do you mean, yeah, yeah. Do you mean they're getting on with their lives? This idea, I've heard that so much of like, oh, you know, I've seen it recently about the pandemic. Of like, look at the kids, look how resilient they are. And I'm like, they're not resilient. What makes you think they're resilient? They just haven't showed you any of the problems yet. (laughs) Yeah. Problems, trauma affects you later. So, you know, we just don't know how it's going to affect everyone. And And I definitely can relate to that with grief. And I think sometimes we can really minimize ourselves, can't we? And be like, oh, I was four, I was 15. And then when you see a child that age, you're like, hang on a minute. Yeah. They're just a little kid. Hang on a minute. I've like made myself to be like, no, of course I was fine. And I didn't remember them. And you're like, no, of course I did. Of course I did. And it, yeah, seeing your any... adult self yeah. makes a comment on your yeah. child self. And it's like, hang on a minute. If your child falls over and splits her knee open, you would be so sympathetic. Yeah. If they, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? So if, you, if they lost, if she lost her dad, you, it's, it's a ridiculous notion that, mm. oh, they're fine, they're fine. But I think it's to do with adults being very scared about oh, yeah, the definitely. effect that that might have on a child. And mm. also, 
when you're a child, you can only look to your caregiver to survive. So yeah. all you have to, I have to look at my mum and go, okay, right. Um, she seems a bit sad and she seems a bit depressed. I need to be better. I need to be a better person. I need to yeah. achieve more. I need to make her happy. These are all completely unconscious thoughts. Mm. But this is what, that's kind of the road that I went down. I don't think every child does it, but I was like, I want to please you. I want to put a smile on your face. I want to make you happy because if you're happy, I've got more chance of surviving. I think that is literally the thought. It's literally, you know, it just goes, it's so primitive, isn't it? Mm. You look after me. If you're not okay, I can't survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember my mum coming back from um, her hen night when she was going to marry my stepdad and she, she was drunk and I, I hadn't seen her drunk before. At least it wasn't in my memory. My mum doesn't really drink a lot anyway and she was really quite drunk. And I absolutely <laughs> thought she was dying. Oh. I, I, absolutely, I, I was like, she's dying, she's dying. And my, I remember my auntie saying, she's not, she's, she's drunk. But she's she was drunk. wobbling. And yeah. I mean, God, I've oh. never seen her like that ever again. But that, like you said, like if someone's ill, you think, well, they're going to die. Yeah. That my, my little six-year-old brain at the time was like, if somebody looks like they're going to fall over, that means they're going to die. That's it. They're dead. It's such I a know, lot it, it's just, to it's, The whole world becomes so scary and so terrifying, so confusing. And like you said, and of course people, you know, there's absolutely no, no lack of understanding of why people did that to children and why the conversation was shut away everybody was doing that that's like what everyone thought was the right thing to do but it it does it does leave you very sort of isolated did your um did they stay together for a long time your mum and stepdad yes they're still together they're still together yeah that's amazing yeah yeah you know it is amazing and it is you know it's really like now that I'm an adult I can say to my my stepdad he's called Derek um I can say to him you know tell me like about my dad or tell me some fun things that you did together or you know what was it like growing up with them so I have a an amazing point of contact to to find out more but my dad my my stepdad still struggles I think to talk about his Mm. brother because like I say I don't I just don't really think any of it was properly processed Mm. and weirdly I think I'm possibly the one that might have processed it the most now. Mm. It's so difficult. I think they were obviously in such a difficult position. And as I said, in a time where there was no understanding for these things. And I think people get, oh, this is a judgment. I don't know, Derek, at all. But you can get a bit frozen in the choices you made at that time. And I'm sure if the choice you make at that time was like, protect the children, don't say anything. Even years later, when they're a grown up, you're still going to think, no, no, we made the choice to not not break down not tell them too much and you said like yeah he must have had so much grief as a brother let alone then becoming a father to the three of you like i'm glad that you still have a i'm glad you still have a good relationship with him though because that Mm. that like you said that sort of encyclopedia person is so precious like somebody you can be like sorry (laughs) when they were six (laughs) what what color was this or like what, what were they into like just those things that occur to you much later especially when you've lost them as a child and you know at four you who cares what they will you're not really thinking of your dad as a child at all but to have when you get older someone you can just refer back to like you said all that information is so so precious and I often say that to people who are dealing with you know bereaved children I almost like it's a it's a long journey like they don't necessarily need you right now 
but we might need you in 20 years time to tell them that story or to have a piece of clothing or to give them some information like don't not hang around yeah and I think I think you're right about what you said like the intentions are so good Mm. and so pure they really think they're doing it to protect you but Actually, what happens is if you make a decision very early on to hide your pain and your grief from your children, in your mind, I think people think, when we're adults, we'll chat about it. Well, that's not how it happens because it's a muscle. And what you've done is you've suppressed it and it's got, that muscle's got better and better and better and better. And by the time you become adult, it's actually very hard to talk. Mm. And also, I don't know if you found this, but memories stay alive by continuously talking about them it's amazing for me anyway how much I forget so it it, it is important to to keep that in in my opinion it's it's important to keep that person alive in conversation yeah because then I think you learn how to speak about that person without it feeling really heavy you wear the coat so much more lightly the coat of grief if you from the very moment that that person's died talk about them Mm. yeah and I really I think you're so right about memories like especially when you're a kid I mean I was 15 and I'm I'm now struggling with things I'm like what was that what did he sound like what was I can't remember and I you know like I think if you're younger than if you're sort of pre-10 is a bloody blur like the whole you know anyone's childhood is a bit blurry once you you know get past a certain age and um I think that's such a such an interesting way of putting it that muscle because I do think that it's it's really hard but I agree with you like you have to sort of start as you mean to go on don't you so if you decide to think oh I'll wait I'll wait to talk to them you won't it it won't it will be awkward and difficult because you never did (laughs) and it's kind of like any kind of parenting I suppose isn't it like you have to sort of like face things that you don't want to face and you think oh I'd rather have this conversation when you're a bit you make more sense but it's like oh well if I start talking about it now it's in your brain it's in the vocabulary it's in the air that we talk about that but it's so it's I, so yeah, difficult I, I find it no I'll be honest I find it annoying actually I shouldn't because it's a judgment but you know you hear a lot now and it's not just about grief but people oh I, I I don't I don't have that conversation with my child it's it's too difficult or it's too heavy a subject I just think that it's about how you talk about something mm. not about what you talk about yeah that's I, true. I just don't think there are many subjects that you couldn't talk to a child about especially if we're just talking about grief why why wouldn't you talk to a child about the fact that somebody has died? That is a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Like this is like this is the one thing we all know is going to happen. I'm I've just started to recently um, follow this account on Twitter, and it really makes me laugh. And I know some people will be like, "Oh," but it's called your daily death reminder. And every day <laughs> it tweets me, "You will die someday." <laughs> I just find That's it... That's a true member of the club. <laughs> You're a I true just... member like, yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, I find I get it, it really funny because yeah. experiencing death in that way that, you know, people on your podcast have. Okay, so nobody wants to be in that club, like you say, but you have a, like, then a profound appreciation mm. for, for life. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I'm not going to live forever. I'm not going to be a scientific anomaly. Mm. Like, that's okay. I don't find that a depressing thought. Mm. It's okay. Like, too many people die 
soon so it's a privilege that I'm even here and if that sounds airy fairy to people it's honestly not no like, I, I, I understand I, it, what it, it's a privilege that I'm still here I think especially if you've lost someone young it, it's like well it, it happened to me and I'm still here and I'm this is the thing I think people find hard to get around if they're not in the club if they haven't experienced death young it's up to them of like oh if a child knows this happens it will ruin their life and you're like no it look <laughs> it's sad it's shit but you also you're also some days you're fine yeah. and I remember speaking I did that I think I've said this before on the show but I did this talk and everyone was doing talks about you know things that extraordinary things that happened to them and this guy did this talk about how he nearly died and and he nearly lost his two daughters nearly lost a father and and he wouldn't have been there for them their whole life and 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 how amazing that he had survived because could you imagine what they had gone through and I was sat there thinking well I mean they'd be me and they'd be fine <laughs> like I was like I get I get you're important but also people are, do carry on I'm not saying you know it's that weird thing with grief like obviously it's like you said it's awful it's so traumatic it destroyed me it affected me in so many ways but also I don't wake up every morning wailing for my father like there's other things and I think sometimes we place this thing of like it's it's so hideous that to speak to a child about it is verboten it cannot happen you're like but it it might happen to them and also they might survive it isn't that sort of like the good message as well saying like this is really sad but life continues that's exactly it that's exactly how I feel like what, so you think it's better to never talk about mm. it and then for them to possibly have to deal with it one day. or to never, yeah, yeah, or to never talk about it and to never be able to have empathy for other people who it might have happened to. Like you say, yeah. like, we do survive the grief. And yeah, it affects us, but you can go on to thrive. Yeah. You, you yeah, can. It's, of course you can. It's, but I don't know, to, to remove that conversation... It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It just yeah. it just doesn't even if you know like where where has granddad gone, mummy? Oh, up to the clouds in the sky. What? Mm. I don't I don't get that. It's he died. Mm. He died and, and that and you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Because he was really loved. Yeah. And and we can talk about him and we can celebrate him. And like, you know, I had some extraordinarily difficult conversations with my son about that and him worrying that I was going to die and I can't say I'm not going to. No, I, that's I can't, you can't say that. You can't promise it because it will happen like one day. Obviously, you know, yeah. Not soon, but like yeah. you're fully aware that it can happen. Well, so um, let's let's talk about what, what obviously you happened to your son and to yourself. So who was the other person that we are remembering yeah. today? So the other person is... Um, Matt, my partner, who four years ago today, actually, today's oh his anniversary. Goodness, yeah. Um, Thank he, you for he, talking to me on anniversary. Well, it's funny, actually, because when I was asked to do this and I just thought to myself, I bet the date they put forward will be Matt's anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. So I took it oh. as a sign. Yeah, I think that's a nice thing. It that's is a nice, nice thing. thing. Um, so yes, Matt was my partner and he died four years ago today. And what did he die of? So Matt went to the gym one morning and had a heart attack in a Peloton class and died. Oh, Jill. So it was sort of eerily eerily similar to my dad fucking hell sorry and it was just just... yeah it was it it's you know like I can't even 
begin to describe like what the feeling is like to to talk to somebody at seven o'clock in the morning and watch them eat cereal and then at 7.50 have 19 missed calls on your phone, have a knock at the door, run to the gym and I was like, am I in a parallel universe? And mm. I ran to the gym because it was very close by and I ran down the stairs because it's in like a basement and the paramedic came out and I knew, I knew the way... I knew the way the boy who knocked on the door, who told me I had to come to the... I knew it was serious. I thought, he's broken his back. He's going to be paralysed. That's what I thought. I thought, this is so serious. And when I got there, there was another level of a look from the paramedic. And I said to the paramedic, is he dead? And the paramedic said, not yet. And I just looked at him as if to say, "What? what? Why would you... What? And I did like something that... If I was acting that scene, I would never have done this because I didn't think people actually did it. But I literally just thought to myself, oh, I um, I can't stand up. Mm. And I just got down on my knees really slowly. And I think I crawled to the corner of a room somewhere. I think that's what I did. And I think then I sat in a chair and they said, you can't come in the room yet. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a night. This is... It's so weird when your mm. brain it cannot keep up with reality. It's 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 a it is literally like being in a different dimension, and and then they just said, um, okay, you can come in now. And he was lying on the floor in the the spin class, like the peloton, class. and his eyes were open. And I just said, Matt, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And his eyes just kind of flickered, and then they closed, and then I never seen them open again. And then, from then on, it was just, you know, horrendous. Horrendous, yeah. Jill, I just really... (laughs) Obviously, I feel for you anyway, but to have the similar experience to your dad, which is every grief, there's little anxiety, horrible voice in your head. I really feel for you because that's life really going... That's life, you're like, really life? Really? Mm -hmm. Come on, life, come on. Like, that's maybe something else and I think what you said was so interesting about and this is obviously experience of of actors is that sometimes when you're acting you get and you know you know this from being in a soap you get asked to do dramatic traumatic scenes and there's a bit of you like well I can't do that that would be ridiculous but when you're in life you do your knees stop working you crawl to the floor and and there's always part of you like, God, if that was a performance, I'd think that was terrible. But you're like, no, it really, it really did, it really did happen. It really, that's exactly what was going through my mind. And also then you think, what the, what the hell am I thinking this for? But know, it's but proper it's your... disassociation. Yeah. You probably, you're... Yeah, yeah, like massive shock. Because your brain is going, I don't want to, I can't take in all this information. So I'm just going to sort of stand outside myself and think, oh, I see I'm crawling. Oh, I see I'm Exactly knees, that, right. like watching yourself. Yeah. And then we, um... And How old we, was your son when that happened then? So my son, so my son is, my son was seven when that happened. Oh gosh. And then, and then we were, so we had to get him up into the ambulance. And I mean, he was a big man. And there was, if I remember rightly, there was two paramedic. And 
we had to get him up the stairs and the stairs like have a really tight oh corner. Oh my God. And I remember holding the end of the stretcher and they had the other end. Cause I mean, you know, he was like six foot two and mm. you know, he's the, like a dead weight, this body. And we're carrying it up and, and on the, printed on the stairs in the gym are the lyrics to I'm Still Standing. Oh my God. So obviously, you know, like that, that song has followed me around anyway because of like the jive on Strictly. Yeah, so when yeah. I joined that gym, I was like, oh, how funny that song just follows me around. And then I remember walking up the stairs and seeing those words and thinking, I will never, ever be able to see those words and not interpret them slightly differently now because like, like feeling like a true survivor, like it's just like, and then we got into the ambulance and I phoned my mum it's funny, isn't it, the first person mm. you ring, like, and I said, I said, you've got to come, come down to London, something terrible's happened. And I explained what had happened. And of course she said what anybody would say, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. And I just, I said, no, I think I've lost him. And we went to the hospital and spent like, Oh, God knows, 24 hours, maybe before he was actually pronounced dead. And everybody that came to the hospital, they were so beautiful and lovely. And they were all so hopeful that he would survive. And he got put into, like, an induced coma and all of that. But I had seen what he looked like on the gym Mm. floor. I had watched him, his heart being pumped and pumped and pumped. I'd sat in the ambulance while they were like, we don't have a heartbeat, we don't have a heartbeat. And I just thought, you all think he's going to survive, but I know he isn't. And I just kind of knew what was ahead, you know? Mm. Just thought, fuck, I know what is ahead now, and it's going to be hideous. And like you said, like... Fuck you, life. You know, mm. like, I, I, you gave me one, one of those shocks. And, and one is unlucky. Two? Yeah. What, what is two? What, what <laughs> yeah. the hell is two? Yeah, like, fuck off. I was like, how fucking dare you? Like, mm. then, you know, and I mean, God, anyone who listens to this podcast knows what then the long, hard slog of accepting that someone's gone. I mean, could there be anything harder to go through than... But also I think it's really... Because when you have that experience young, I think that's such a valid point that you just said of, like, you really know the tunnel you're walking into and you're almost kicking and screaming, like, don't fucking make me go in that room again. Like, don't you fucking dare. And it's... You have to. You've got, like, there's nothing you can do. And it, it really... The powerlessness of being a human and what life does to you but it's I think sometimes when I see people who, who you know they've got to a certain age and they've never had a death and they're like oh gosh well who knows what it's going to be like and you're like oh I do yeah. <laughs> like, oh god strap and, in <laughs> yeah strap in and, and you know they you might speak to them two months later and they're like well you know I don't know you know um maybe it's going to be okay and you think well it's not but okay fine you need to think that but yeah god I really 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 feel for you Jill because you knew you knew what that journey was like you knew and just obviously you're still on it four years is is not a long time yeah and by then so I was like 41 and by then I was very aware through therapy and lots of other things that I'd explored that I I hadn't grieved my dad in the way Mm. that I needed to and because like what we referenced before 
even though you can be aware that you need to do grief work, if the gap is 40 years or mm. so, or so, like mine had been, it, it's quite hard to access that. You, yeah, you can yeah. access it in certain times, but, mm. you know, like you say, you've, you've, you've become a master of pushing that feeling away. So Yeah, and hiding from it and not really recognising yeah. it. Yeah. Being like, no, I'm anxious. That's what this is. Yeah. What did you do with my dad? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just worrying about people dying. Yeah, yeah it's really That's normal. tricky. Yeah. And then, so then when Matt died, it is strange as it might sound, I just thought to myself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fully grieve Matt and my dad. And I know that might sound odd to people that it's a choice, but it felt like a real choice. I was like, I am going to let every single feeling, emotion, I'm going to want to rip my own skin off. I know it, but I'm going to allow, 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 and I'm going to surrender to it completely. And if it takes me under, I'll go under for a bit and then I'll come back up. But I couldn't bear the thought of not going through this like mm. really through it because I knew what the pain of going around it had led me to it was really it was so clear like if there was any clear thought I ever had mm. in those that period it was that it was like okay Jill you're gonna go on this journey now and you're gonna accept every single thing that comes to you Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. Jill, the strength of you, <laughs> like the sheer <laughs> strength of you. I just, honest, like, and I totally know what you mean. It is a choice because if you've had something happen to you young as a child, you did make a choice. You learned how to make a choice to ignore something. So, uh, that doesn't sound strange to me at all because then when you're older, you're like, oh, I can choose to grieve or I can choose to push down. I'm really good at pushing down. I've been doing it since I was four. <laughs> so let's see how I feel. So it is different is your brain is wired differently when you've had this trauma at a young age so i totally understand but the strength of you to go all right 
I'm going to do it. And to know, yes, I will go under, but I'll come back up. Because that is the biggest thing for so many people. They don't believe they can come back up from the water. They just can't believe it. And that's what you have to trust with grief is like, I know it feels like it's never going to end, but it will, it will, it will. It might take six months, nine months, 12 months for you to suddenly feel sunshine on your face again, but you will. But that is so hard to hold on to. I can't, I just commend you as a human for making that choice and deciding to go through it because I'm sure for you and your son that was beneficial yeah and it's it's funny because when you say that like it was brave like it makes me feel sort of slightly fraudulent because I think it actually felt like the only option to me Mm. even though I know it was a choice it was but I just I think I couldn't bear the thought of the other option because like I say it had led me to it led me to making some decisions in my life and being in certain relationships and 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 um, displaying addictive behaviours and in, in, in other areas of my life. And I'd made sort of choices years before that to um, confront those behaviours. So when this happened with Matt, I was like, oh, OK, I have to I have to do this completely with clarity and mm. with sobriety and with nothing else that I can hold on to, like I can't fix on anything. Mm. I can't do anything that takes me out of it. I can't numb it. But strangely, that felt less scary possibly than, than going down the route of, of numbing. Because mm. I was like, oh God, no, 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 no. That leads to so much pain. <laughs> please, but like, don't, please don't let me go there. Knew, you knew that. I think that's what's so interesting. Yeah. So many people don't and they do numb it and... Yeah, I'm with you on the, the the link between anxiety and addictive behaviours and which I, again, I don't know enough about, but seems to come a lot from having trauma at a young age and finding ways to control it. And at least you, I think that's the other th- weird thing about losing someone so young. You've kind of been through this like quite a lot quite early <laughs> like in training <laughs> yeah in training and like in ways that maybe other people would hit much later like I definitely felt by the time I got to like 25 I felt like I felt like I was 45 I was like I've been through it I've been through <laughs> yeah. it I've had you know I've tried things I've grieved and now I'm ready to just have a quiet life <laughs> like and I remember my friends being more like oh my god what's wrong with you like don't you go out and you're like no no I've I really could do with some peace now um so I think yeah I really relate to that what you yeah. said and like did people used to say to you when you were sort of in your like early teens, maybe early adulthood, like, oh, you're, you, you're very wise or, and I, they used to say that to me, but I, I think all that was, was I had known something that other kids hadn't known, which, yeah. which was grief, which was an enormous loss. And yeah. it does change you. Like, even if, even if you're not shown it on the outside on a cellular level, yeah. You, you, of course you're changed. You're, I mean, by the time we finish this conversation, we'll be slightly different people than we were before. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, so when something that huge happens, you're just a different person. You are. And I was exactly the same for years. I was like, oh, it's no big deal. Just my dad died. One of these things. <laughs> no there biggie. You go. No big deal. No biggie. <laughs> uh, it doesn't define me. And then obviously I've fully acceptably jumped in the pool of acceptance of like, yeah, it absolutely defined. Like it's the, yeah. Mm-hmm. sort of having children it's the biggest thing that's de- like has just sort of destroyed me internally and then I've had to rebuild myself and how has it been with your with your son because do you feel like a deep connection in that you're looking at child grieving and you know how that feels like is it hard sometimes to switch your head of 
child grieving mode and being the mother because I know when I meet a teenager grieving I'm like I know how you feel I've really really connected them so I might I'm trying to think how it must be to look at that child but also have to be the mum and the grown-up in that situation yeah and and my my um my son is he's he's really emotionally articulate and obviously it was my partner Matt was is not Harvey's father so Harvey is really articulate in that, you know, he knew Matt for two years, mm. but he'll say to me, I, I really miss him. And I'm really, really sad that he's gone. But I didn't know him like you knew him, mum. Wow. And he said, does, you know, in, in, in the early days, I think he was, he thought, does that make him, he felt bad about that. Yeah, And I said, course, no, 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 no. I said, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. You, you grieve someone in the way that you need to grieve them. Mm. But I was very, very open about mine. I mean, you know, obviously within reason, I'm not going to yeah. let him come home from school and s- s- him see me like crying on the floor. But I cried a lot in front of him. Mm. And he would say, please don't cry, please don't cry. And I'd say, you know, Harvey, I'd say, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with crying. Mm. Like, crying is not a bad thing, I said. This is this is like me allowing some emotion to come out. I said it's me feeling sad about losing someone. I said, and it's me kind of expressing my love for someone who isn't there. I said, but you never need to be frightened of my tears because it would be more frightening if if I was keeping them inside because yeah. then I'd be an angry mom, then I'd be a depressed mom, then I'd be an irritated mom. I said. I know it's not nice for you to see your mum cry, but I was like, but th- this is, this is, this is the sort of more healthy way, even though it might not feel it. And he was, he was really good. And I had, I was, I was very, very lucky. I have like, I have an amazing family and I have amazing friends. And I had one friend in particular called Polly, who lived very close to me, who has lost her dad. So she knows what grief feels like mm. and she also knew Matt and she she liked Matt very much and um she would <laughs> she was like an angel she would come and sit with me at the table and she would just talk to me or listen to me she would literally just hold a space for me while I cried or said why or try to understand it and she would just look into my eyes and she would just listen and she would just sometimes hold my hand or or stroke my arm or she just was able to like hold my pain Mm. and that seems simple but very few people can do that very few people very few and I am so hard thing to do yeah it's we and I tell her like she sent me a lovely message today because she knew it was the anniversary and I was like, do you know how grateful I am that you're my friend? Like, she, she used to send me a message every single day. And there would always be just along the lines of, I'm thinking about you today. I'm hoping you can find even a small bit of peace mm. somewhere in your day. But if you can't, that's okay. And it's going to be all right. And she would send me those texts every single day. And I'm going to say for two years, but it might have been more. Wow. She was amazing. If everyone could have a Polly, the world would be okay. I sort of feel as well that sometimes... I'm, I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at trying to find positives. But I do think, sometimes when I think, oh, you know, 
when you have those moments like why did this happen to me and then I've been able to be there for people who've lost their I'm really good if you lose your dad other stuff I sometimes struggle but oh my god if you lose your dad to cancer I am you're the one I am exceptional but I do sometimes think well if there were if I hadn't been through that experience I wouldn't be able to help people and it sounds really corny but it's I just try and take some you try and find some like something from it and I guess like you said maybe your friend Polly had had the same thing I don't know but that feeling of like I do know what it's like and and I think a lot of us have this I know what I needed and I didn't get so there's kind of this like need sometimes to make sure that other people have what you didn't have because you're like I know what it felt like when people didn't text me every day or I didn't have that feeling that someone was holding that space so I can now give that to someone else and it's sort of like the grief the one the sort of a nice aspect of a terrible situation is that you you can then help someone else through their situation not always because obviously no I, I totally totally get what you're saying like I think that look and I know it's it, it is a it, it is a bit annoying of, of a concept but you know it's very buddhist isn't it like there is there is learning in suffering there is mm. something to be taken from suffering and as much as you can rail and fight against that and go f you suffering like you can <laughs> do without it thanks very much yeah like of course like I am I am infinitely a more understanding person now, even from four years ago, even mm. from having lost my... I, I, There's a duality all the time now to how I feel. So, like, today I can wake up and I can be devastated that Matt isn't here. And I can miss him so much that it still sort of is quite painful inside, mm. like it physically hurts. But I can also be really happy that I'm talking to you and actually have quite a lot of peace today as well. I woke up feeling quite peaceful. And to understand, to get to that point where you can live with duality, that is like a gift of grief for me. Yeah. Because if everything you feel is always binary, then unless you're having a great day, you're screwed. You're absolutely screwed. You, you, I'm having a shit day. The end. I want it to be over. But today, it's like, well, I do feel a bit, I do feel a bit sad. But hey, you know what? I'm kind of happy about that. Or today, I have hope. Like in the early days, that's um, that was the most terrifying thing for me. I, I lost hope. I remember like walking Harvey to school, and this was probably within like the first week of Matt dying, and I felt like. I'd just been born mm. and I was like oh oh th- th- this is how you walk oh oh this is a path oh right that's the school it was really straight it was like it was like I was starting from the very very beginning it was like everything that I knew my world to be it was like my mind had went mm. that's that's not it anymore and even just holding Harvey's hand and saying goodbye to him and having everything felt like I was doing it for the first time. And it was a really strange feeling. And I stayed in that feeling for, for, for quite a long time where I just, oh God, I mean, you must know this. Like, it's just the nervousness, any bangs. Oh my if, God, if, yeah. if, if Harvey didn't come out of the class within <clears throat> the first minute, I just presumed, like, one day I arrived at the school. I mean, can you imagine how this would have felt? I arrived at the school and there was an ambulance helicopter landing in the playground. 
Well, like you said, it's happened once, it's happened twice. Well, this is the third, isn't it? Mm. And I was like, what's happened? What's happened? Turns out some poor woman, I hope to God she was okay, but she'd had an accident further up the road and the ambulance could only land in the the playground. But I never really felt like that person previous to Matt dying, even Mm. though my dad had died sort of very suddenly. I, n- I was never the person who thought the worst. Mm. I wasn't a massive catastrophizer. I was fearful about not being happy. That's what I was mostly right, fearful yeah. about in my life. But then there was a period where I became a real... It, like, life is showing me that just things just happen, like the mm. worst things possible. So Harvey became the, the obsession. Yeah, of course. The of course, focus. how could it not? Yeah. When you've had two experiences like that, I... Pff, you know um whenever um my therapist used to say to me like you, you know and I worry everyone's gonna die and she was like but you know what you know who died today that you know and I was like yeah all right mate no one but hey you know what when I was 15 somebody did so it's like a pretty big example that I can keep slapping on the table she was like yes but last week I'm like yeah yeah last week last last week like it, when you have you're like the time it really mattered they did die so yeah. it just it that throws all logic statistics you know people can sit you down and be like this is you know how many people will die today from heart attacks or traffic accidents and all this it's not it's so unlikely you still are like i don't care because the one time it mattered i've lost that person so you exactly. then start do you ever clinging. feel like you know like okay like almost statistics can make me feel worse because then i think well what does that make me? Like, I yeah, must be exactly. a weird statistic yeah. then, if that... <laughs> and I also, like, does that, are we cursed? Because exactly. we've, we've got that really low statistic that's happened to yeah. us. And there's a feeling of... I did go through a stage of, yeah, I, I'm just... I'm, I must just be bad news. I must just be yeah. bad luck. And, and you know, I, I'm very much not there today. Like, I, I don't feel like that. And I don't catastrophize so much about... Um, about Harvey and I, I really try and stay as present as possible with those mm. thoughts. But um, it's, it's kind of hard, isn't it? It's hard not to when you... It's hard not to. I think it's also so important to acknowledge that that space, that catastrophizing, is really normal. And, and actually, this is what I sometimes defend myself. Like, it's quite a logical reaction. Like, yeah. as you said, you know, we're humans... When we put our hands on in fire, it burns. You're, oh, I learnt my lesson. Don't put my hand in fire. Oh, I see. Right, Dad's dropped dead. Right, okay. Right, okay. Nobody's safe. So it's like yeah. it's like we're always learning things. I feel like it's not it's not not as un, what's the word? It's like not an unintelligent process to be like. Well, okay, now I need to worry about everybody. But it's about sort of yeah, stepping back from it. And, and again, I'm so much better than I was. So much better. I still I think we all have. I'm I'm saying as you probably like if, if you see the ambulance and it's a bit too close you still get the hot what, why, yeah. what's happening why is it here yeah what's, what's going on please go away but I'm much better at um yeah at not sort of every day or I'm much better really at just catching it I think that's the key of like I'll start down that road of oh, what happens if this happens if they die and I think oh hang on a minute that's that's just your catastrophizing yeah. um, narrative don't need yeah. that today. Thank you for being here. Lovely to see you. Yes. <laughs> what yes, we need to say is... You can stay if you want, but I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah, Thank exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, there's some other voices we can just tune yeah. into rather than that one. But it, yeah, it's nothing... It's Of course, of course. How can you not go down that road? Before your dad died, before he was diagnosed, 
Did did he ever have a conversation with you about not being here? No, <laughs> he had a conversation, which I, I don't know if I've ever said I regret. He was driving me somewhere. I was in the back of the car. That's like, you know, I was young and some tune came on. And he was like, oh, I want this played at my funeral. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, yeah, carry this. Oh, I'd love this to be played at my funeral. And I was like, yeah, all right, what's, yeah. Didn't listen, don't know what the song is. Still don't know what really? the song is. <laughs> and so that came back to haunt me. Although my mum did say, oh, you know, he said that about a few things, I wouldn't worry. And we did play a Frank Zappa track that she was pretty sure he wanted. But yeah, he never said, um, I'm trying to think now. I have a really horrible memory of rowing with him. We used to row a lot. And my mum said to me, we had a, a very close friend whose dad was alive but didn't really wasn't around at all. And she said, you know, how would you feel if you were so-and-so? You know, her dad isn't there at all. You know, your dad might not be around. You're lucky to have him. And I was like, what? What's she talking about? Like, I can't conceive of it. Yeah. Um, and I remember things that come back to you after you've lost someone. You're like, oh, I did this. I wished him away. Like, you know, all those sort of things oh, that you God. try and place logic. Did your dad say something to you? Did well, you have a moment? my mom always tells a story that, you know, not long before my dad died, he had a conversation with my mom about if I died, um, you know, do you think you would remarry? And I hope you would. And I would want you to wow. be happy. And not long before Matt died, we were on the sofa together. And I can't even remember what we were talking about. But he sort of grabbed me sort of quite urgently. And I was like, oh, hello. And he sort of pulled me sort of close. And he went, promise me, promise me if I die, you'll meet someone else and you'll be happy. And I really like, I pulled back and I was like, what? <laughs> I think I sort of dealt with it quite childishly. I think mm. I just went, oh, oh, don't say that. Yeah, of course I would. And then I think I went away and felt really weird about it because mm. I grew up with that story yeah about my mum saying that and I just in in and Matt used to talk about songs at his funeral I came in one day and he was playing a song and he said I'd like this at my funeral and but I've did, never done that yeah I've never ever been with a partner and said if I die will you go off and and meet someone wow. else like not in, I mean maybe you you have those philosophical like but I've yeah. never urgently wanted to know the answer to that because I've never felt like I was gonna die yeah early not to say that I won't, but I'm just saying that it it sort of fascinates me. And even like, you know, like even on the the morning that Matt died, like I remember he was he was up to go to to, to the gym and I went to the toilet in a very like sleepy kind of way. And we were trying for a baby at the time and I was like weighing on those oh, sticks, yeah, you know, yeah. to see if it was time, if you were <laughs> ovulating. And I remember him like looking at me while I was weighing on this stick and thinking, <laughs> oh God, you know, like that's not very attractive. You what? But he was sort of just, he was looking at me in, in such a gentle kind of peaceful way that I didn't say go away. But I remember looking at him and thinking, why are you pixelated? It was like, it was like he was like going. Wow, yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, because you've just woken up. And then I just sort of truffled, like shuffled off back to bed. And I mean, I know like we look for meaning all the time and we look, but it was, it was just strange that mm. we sort of had that moment and the way he looked at me. And then when I look back, he was sort of faded. It was all very odd, but I often think about, it felt like he somehow knew that life might not be as long for him as for mm. other people. 
I'd often ask him, like, when we were trying for a, a baby, you know, have you imagined... Because he was, like, you know, he was in his 40s as well, you know. Yeah. Did, have you imagined yourself or do you, with children? He was like, I, I've never been able to picture it. And I think that's so bizarre as well, like, mm. that there isn't any pictures for you in that period. Like, there isn't anything ahead, like... Yeah. I don't know about how I feel about if people know or they don't or... It's so hard, isn't it? It's so, yeah, because I, I think you're right, you know, we do we do search for meaning, but also then why not? <laughs> like, that moment was important and him looking at you and you seeing him all faded, that was a moment. And I think sometimes, I mean, I definitely have this, I get addicted to the moments. I'm like, is this a moment? Is this because you're going to die? So we're having a moment? Like, then that's it, I would not recommend. Because then like every fucking exit is like, I'm just yeah. going to Waitrose. Like, you don't need to do the big like stare. But but I think those moments often come when you're not, when you're not aware of them. Like you said, it's not till you look back and you're like, oh, hang on a moment, what, what was that? And... Yeah, I mean, it's with my dad, like, he definitely led a um, a full, fast life. And that that was sort of the comment afterwards of, like, oh, not did he know, but, like, he, he lived life to the full. And so... I That's exactly what Matt did. And, yeah. but, and, and, like, I know there's loads of people that live life to the full, but it was, it was commented on often, like, yeah. oh, you're always, like wanting to go I mean god if ever I went on holiday it was when I met my I mean honestly he was always taking me he was always like I just want experiences I just want yeah. to enjoy this I want to try that he was so curious yeah and really yeah. like pushed the limits and and you know possibly did dangerous things sometimes but um I know there's plenty of people that do that and don't die young you know I know it's difficult isn't it because yeah my dad was definitely the same like curious experiences what can what what does this do <laughs> what does yeah. it do let's yeah. do it and yeah. and I definitely my mum was saying the other day of like obviously you know we all miss him but she was like god yeah like it's been a lot calmer since he died <laughs> like, <laughs> just a lot calmer and peaceful because he was he was a tornado of a person and yeah then you do sort of think well is that why I, you sort of can't there's not an answer is it it's just a sort of question maybe that's it really it's just a question of like oh is that is that what did they know? Is there some part of them that unconsciously knew? And you'll never have that answer. But you'll never have that an answer. My favourite story about my dad is that my mum's—he he was a welder, and um, it was in the seventies. And you know, he had like the long kind of seventies hair, and they were like, "Oh, Colin, you can't have long hair when you're welding. <laughs> <laughs> it's against the rules." So he went out and bought a wig. He wore like a short wig to work and pretended that he cut his hair. And that's my favourite story ever. Because I'm like, yes, Colin. Yes, Dad. That's what I'd do. Got to save the hair. Save the hair. Save the hair. Do you know what? I'm wondering though, in the 70s, a wig probably would have been just as flammable as long hair. (laughs) More flammable. More flammable. I can't imagine he got a handmade knotted wig. No, it must have been like a bit, yeah, probably a bit more dangerous. Oh, I just love that idea. That's a wonderful story. Bless him. Well, it was it was the Lord had the long hair in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, my dad had the same. So he was was obviously... It was what you did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Joe, it's been so nice to talk to you. I could just, I could keep talking to you. And I just think, you know, sometimes there aren't the words, are there? But like what, what you've been through and the way you're handling it. And I know it's difficult when people say it, because sometimes people say it to me and I'm like, oh, what does it mean? But I do think you're, you're handling it rather extraordinary, extraordinarily and all power to you for, for having that strength and that courage. And 
and just how amazing for Harvey to have a mum that that has expressed those emotions and the reason he is emotionally articulate is because you are like he's learned from that and so you can all so all you can do isn't it is try and fix what you think well that didn't work for me that well so I might do it like this and then hopefully the next generation have it emotionally something slightly easier I really hope so and I hope that you know if anyone is listening and, and going through it right now I know it feels like your feelings are going to kill you. Yeah. And I know it feels like you can't bear them. And I had many days where I felt like it it was unbearable mm. and I didn't want to be here. But I am here and they didn't kill me. And, like, we are strong enough to feel the feelings. And, and that's all I would... You know, I, I did lots of other work as well. I did a grief retreat. I, I went deep into therapy as well. And I know that's not available to everyone, but it's okay to feel stuff. Like, mm. I do think we're a society that doesn't like feeling things. Maybe, mm. maybe like, there are certain emotions that feel like they're acceptable to us. People are allowed to be angry sometimes and, mm. and, and, and a bit sad sometimes, but... That sort of deep, deep grief, deep grief yeah. is is just too much for some people. And if you can, just find it. You know, like I say, I had I have amazing sisters and amazing family, but you just need one person who can sort of hold that space for you. Mm. Thank you so much, and thank you for talking about Colin and Matt, especially oh, on Matt's you. day today as well. It's been so nice to meet you. I can finally put a face to the voice. I mean, I could have just Googled you, but I was like, no, it'll be more fun if you pop up on Zoom. And I'm like, let's carry it. Jill is currently appearing in The Drowning, which is available on My5. You can also follow her on Twitter at HalfpennyJill. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. The music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. It was recorded uh, in my living room and Jill's living room uh, during the lockdown. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, you are not alone. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.